welcome to the Scottish Football Forums podcast. I'm Craig and this evening I'm joined by Greg as usual. Good evening Greg. How are we doing Craig? Alright and we mentioned last week that Chris has went on holiday for a few weeks so I'm pleased to announce that we've got the return of Laurie. Hello Laurie. Hello, nice to be back. Hi, welcome back. So how's your film going? Oh here we go. Is, <laughs> is there some other, some rumours of more filmmaking is there? There is, yeah. Those kind of dodgy films that Greg likes. Ah, right, aye, okay. That reminds me, Craig, I'll bring that DVD back in for you tomorrow. <laughs> All right, aye, thanks. Aye, do you enjoy it? Perfect, mate. <laughs> is it hidden in it? Is it hidden, in like an, is it hidden in like an innocent box? You That's know, like right, I've a kid's got it in the... Uh, it's a classic train spot, isn't it? 101 great goals. Got it, got it stashed away in there. <laughs> My mate wrote in uh, one DVD, it was AutoCAD. Does not install, just in case somebody wanted to put it. <laughs> when we were younger, I'm sure we're, uh, my mates had a video cassette, and it had Alice in Wonderland written on it. It was like, but it wasn't Alice in Wonderland. Oh, see, I don't know it. about that. See, there's a kid getting that, thinking, "All oh, right, this is going to be good." <laughs> Alice in Wonderland. I quite like this. It's funny how it's always a mate that's got these things, isn't it? All these mates, everybody's got through these things. Strange that. Do you want to know a film name I heard earlier, talking of dodgy films? It's not actually a dodgy film, but I went to see um, The Sweeney earlier, and I was looking up one of the actresses, because I was trying to remember what I'd seen her in before, and uh, one of the films she was in was called Fear of Fanny. (laughs) There you are, eh? (laughs) I'm just double-checking, it was something ridiculous like that. I I don't think that's real, Laurie, I think that's... You've been on one of them dodgy sites again. Fear of Fanny, TV movie, 2006. <laughs> Bizarre tale of Fanny Craddock, Britain's famous and maligned TV oh, chefs oh. from the 50s to 70s. Aye. I'm a dad Fear always, of Fanny, look up. He always talked about uh, making donuts like Fanny's. <laughs> <laughs> it's actually about a real person. Aye, Fanny, Fanny Craddock. Aye, she was a cook, a TV cook. I'm not as old as you. Jesus, she looks scary. <laughs> Anyway, well, that's that's the that's the porn section ticked off on my agenda. <laughs> the funny section. Oh no, we've still got to speak about Craig Levine. Oh, oh I see what you did there. But <laughs> I've got the we've really only got the international break this week's podcast. I obviously we've got the the charity bet and the predictions, but the main is the, the international that we've had over the last few days. And to kick things off, I thought I would discuss the results. And no, I'm not going to go through all the results like Chris would. I'm just going to be lazy and just do our group. So on Friday evening, we had Belgium beat Wales 2-0. Croatia were lucky, I think, to beat Macedonia by all reports. And then on Tuesday evening, we had Serbia humped Wales 6-1. And Belgium drew one each with Croatia, which was a good result for us. So going back to our game, and well, it kicked off on Saturday, a three o'clock kickoff, which is always welcome. I went to the pub and ended up getting a bit too drunk, and yeah, I don't want to explain what happened, but I ended Why up. Not? Well, I ended up in the toilet uh, later on that night with some king rib coming out my nose. <laughs> but anyway, back to the game. You're supposed to eat them, not snort them. <laughs> <laughs> You sterling boys, you stick it in up your nose. <laughs> <laughs> I blame the king ribs up. Aye, so the game was 0-0. Disappointing. 
I think disappointing sums it up really. A lot of people blaming Levine Fish. for that, that disappointment. Doesn't he sound like Craig Levine? Like that? That's the nonsense he was trot. That it's not it. disappointing. It's an aberration. You're not happy. Carry on. Oh, uh, I well we can talk about that game. Uh, Carry on. I was going to mention uh, on Tuesday, uh, Levine was you could say stubborn and didn't change and kept Miller up front. He made a couple of changes, I suppose, but I think it was really pushed upon him with Adam, who he thought that he just wasn't really fully fit and he didn't want to make a force sub, so he kept him out. And also couldn't get corners of free kicks even into the box. Even when given about 20 attempts at it as well. And Naismith as well, he didn't think he was fully match fit, so he didn't want to start him. So I and a disappointing draw against Macedonia, who, who actually looked a good team. Yeah. We're talking about that game now. All right, so jumping between. Aye. So, what do you think? Do you think that's it over for us? Or yes. Yeah, Greg, what yep. are you thinking? Uh, I th- well, listen. See when see when the groups were announced. Um, it must have been last season. We did a podcast, and I think at the time, Laurie and I more or less said, "Yeah, there's no chance we are qualifying for that group." So even before we kicked the ball, I kind of thought it was more or less over. And off the back of those two results. Um, it would be it would be a, a really brave or a stupid person that predicts anything other than us limping out of this tournament. But I've got to talk about all this later on. But the only thing is that the result the other night with um, Belgium leaves a slight chink of light. But I mean, it's it's now just a massive ask, a massive ask. Do we really think we can get top two? No. We look at get top three in the group. This is what I, this is what I didn't understand about the optimism was when the group was drawn. It was oh, and you know Levine coming out with stuff like we can win every game what a stupid thing to say and then did someone tell me after the first game he said we can win all the games left uh, every game is going to be like no well we can win the rest of them now yeah. i'll be surprised if we win any more than two games now i mean we've played two at home to two teams who aren't the top two teams in the group and yeah. we've got two draws i mean those are probably i mean that apart from wales which, you know, they're no mugs either, to be honest. Even though they got destroyed by Serbia, I still think they could give us problems. I mean, that's our two most winnable games, and we've not won either of them. That's, yeah. Yeah. We've, got, we've got to go to Belgium, we've got to go to Croatia, we've got to go to Serbia, we've got to go to Macedonia. You know, we've got to get results in some of these away games. I just, I just can't see it. Yeah, I think we've got to, as you say, go and get results in games where it would have been nice to go there and, and think that one point was a really good result. But now we're going there thinking one point is a minimum. We're going to have to be going for three points against Belgium and, and Croatia just yeah. because we're so far behind. And Levine, I think he's just clutching at straws talking about this, that we're, we're two points behind the top of the table. OK, if we're talking about facts, yes, we are two points off the top of the table, but we've played probably the, the two worst teams in the group, other than yeah. Wales and ourselves, obviously, because... Well, see if we are sitting in six points at the moment. I would still be pessimistic about our chances of qualifying, even yep. even sitting in six points. Because you're right, we've played probably the two easiest games we're going to have: home games against, um, you know, certainly the Macedonians and, and Serbia as well. We've been targeting these games as six-point home wins, and you now need to start questioning the logic of having two home games to begin. I understand why they did it, because if you win them, you go off to a flyer. But if you don't win them, as it's transpired, has happened. It's more or less over. It's more or less over within two games. Yeah. The pro- the problem is as well, you know, it's the performance. We didn't 
we didn't play two teams and outplay them and batter them and you know somehow you know not get three points. Macedonia looked better at football than we did. It was we were I just couldn't believe it, especially the first half. You know they were zipping the ball about with pace, and when they broke, it was nice quick passing through balls. When we had the ball, it was like slow it down. You know, diagonal pass, slow it down, yep. pass it across. Every time someone tried anything more than a five, ten yard pass, they gave it away. It was it was awful to watch. It was it was basically looked like we were the underdogs and they were the quality team. But we well maybe I'm reading it wrong, but I thought we had better players than what Macedonia have, bar Pandev. Well, we're close to fifty places above them in the the FIFA rankings. If you if you read anything into those, so we should be much better than them. But you're right, you, you touched upon us giving the ball away. And that, that happened far too often. It was just, I, I don't know if the crowd was maybe on on our backs a bit too much, especially in the Macedonia game that is in the first half, because it just happened so often. Dixon was having a nightmare. And he improved near the end, but of see the first 10 minutes, I, I just, every time he, he got the ball, he made some kind of mistake. And it was just, it was a shame for him. The problem, the problem for me is still further up the park. I mean, like, against Serbia, I thought the defence was actually pretty good. you got McGregor's been on the Kept, a, kept last a clean sheet. Which, I mean, and especially after the you see what they did to Wales, I, I think if they'd wanted to attack more, maybe it would have been a different story. But I thought the defence actually... I actually thought Gary Caldwell even played no bad against Serbia, considering what his job is just basically, you know, mopping up defensive in midfield. He made a it's, good tackle when Hutton let the guy uh, wander past him. I mean, the problem was the problem was further up the park, and I just, I just, I don't know what Levine's instructions are to them, and I just, I have a feeling with this Rhodes thing that he's doing it because I think somewhere he knows he has to change it, but it's like admitting he's wrong. If he'd brought Rhodes on at half time against Serbia, it would be like him admitting it was a mistake not yeah. to put him in. You know, it was pointless. He brought him on the last ten minutes. Yeah. What can you do then? One thing I think we need to be a bit wary about, though, is that so many people are saying that Rhodes is this magic bullet that's just going to cure all that's wrong about our attack. And I think we need to be careful because he might not be. Yes, it's, it's good even... to give him more than 10 minutes, but I don't think it's a case of starting him and just thinking, all right, everything's rosy, we'll, we'll win 4 0. Not necessarily, but we just, even to have him up there with Miller. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, I criticised yeah. Miller yesterday, and I. I have to say, actually, I, I think he gets too much criticism. I think he has done a decent job for Scotland on a lot of occasions, but he just doesn't look as sharp as he once was. And I just think, even if you have someone alongside him, so if he's you know doing his kind of the, putting the work in, maybe he can snap up a chance or he can set him up for another one. He just seems so isolated up there, and we just, I just it felt like fair enough start with him. Against Serbia, we needed something else. I thought we needed to win that one as well, and he left it too late. By the time uh, he brought Rhodes on, you know, it's not even just Rhodes. I mean, even play Mackie up there with him. I didn't think he played him high enough up against Macedonia, considering he had him on. He still seemed to just have Miller up there on his own. Um, I actually didn't really understand the changes he made. He yeah. seemed to kind of put too many sort of wide stroke attacking players on. Not enough. There was not much really going on in the centre against Macedonia at all. They just walked through us constantly. Yeah, you're right, and that playing a player like Caldwell in the position he was playing, that should allow us to get the central midfielders a bit more attacking. But it just it just didn't happen. I maybe would have had Naismith playing in the middle. Did you notice Caldwell was actually like like further ahead than Morrison a lot of the time during the game? 
Yeah. I don't yeah. in the second half it was really weird. He was like the attacking midfielder and it just didn't And it's a role that he just can't do. Caldwell was, was good against Australia when he played in that hole. I thought he was good against Serbia, but that was more because he is defensive. And then against Macedonia he he tired a lot near the end and it's just he's just too defensive, I think. He's brilliant when he's doing these massive sliding tackles, but he just can't distribute the ball like maybe a player like Adam, if we had him there and just thought, right, we're at home, we don't need a defensive midfielder, we need a playmaker in that hole. If we put Charlie Adam there and he's gonna spray the passes about. I think I think his problem is that we've we're missing a few central midfielders just now. And he does like to have someone in there who can play the defensive role. I just wonder when he gets back who 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 he will play as the two centre backs because I I know I'm a bit biased with Webster but I, I would say he's been the best out of the centre backs in the first two games. Yeah, I, um, I would keep him definitely. Yes. Yeah, didn't didn't put a foot wrong. Yep. But I have a feeling he'd go back to Caldwell and Berra, and I yeah. just think there's I, I I used to Berra for me's actually gone downhill. I actually thought he used to be better. I don't know if it's in his his recent times in Wolves, but I, I just think he doesn't seem as as assured as he used to be. He made a few mistakes, especially against Macedonia, but he, he did make up for them. But the mistakes were still there. And on another day, he might not have made up for it. They might not have been cover. I mean, I mean the thing is, the Scotland back four or the Scotland back four, I mean, it's been years since we've had a really, a really good defensive line, but we've got a good keeper just now. And it's, it's been proven over the last two games. He's making big, crucial saves for us. But for the Scotland side, there has to be, because back to the point Laurie was making earlier, there has to be more going forward for Scotland to then take the pressure off the back four. Like we probably will concede goals, but we need to be offering much more in the way of attack. And the whole system that they were playing, there didn't seem to be a clear game plan in terms of how we're going to go forward and break these teams down. Yeah, there was... just seemed to be players charging forward, making sideways passes, knocking the ball back, players tracking back. There was no real cutting edge or decisive tactic in terms of going forward. You've got Kenny Miller up there on his own. <clears throat> and I agree with um, I agree with Laurie. I'm not I'm not a great fan of Kelly, Kenny Miller, but to be fair to the guy, he's played that sort of thankless lone striker role for Scotland so many times. He must be sick to the back teeth as well. But if that's if that's what we're doing tactically in terms of going forward, I mean it's long overdue a rethink. It, it, it really, really is. So I mean the back four I think did reasonably well over the over the course of the two games, you're right. Dixon last night had a bit of a torrid one, but um, he improved near the end. He got, he got he did, a really good he shot. He had a couple of good crosses. He came back in near the end, but I mean, had it not been for McGregor last night, we would have been we would have been in the wrong end of a of a tanking. Yeah, can we can we talk about the uh, McGregor the kick out or the or <coughs> some people see it as a kick out? <laughs> he's got a habit. This is the problem with McGregor. He he does that a lot and he's done it. I mean I didn't think that one was so bad that bad you could easily say you know his legs just kind of flown out but knowing McGregor I have a feeling that yeah he was kicking out because he's done it I mean I've seen him do it in awful fashion I mean he's done it at Tynecastle I remember specifically against Elliot and he, he does it when a player's running in and he, he catches the ball and he deliberately he usually puts his boot right up it's when a catch when he's you know in the air I know usually put yeah. his boot right up, and he did it again. Aberdeen as well, didn't he? he? Got suspended for it. See, that's that is a thing that keepers do. Keepers are, oh, are somehow are. taught to to bring their knee up when they're jumping no, for a high McGregor, ball. McGregor brings his whole boot up when they when they're taking a save like he did to to bring your legs round to protect your body from the attacker. Now everybody 
that I've spoke to have been saying that uh, it looked like he'd done it on purpose. But for me, I just can't see why he would do it because surely it's, it's a 50-50 as to who's going to get hurt more. Because there's a chance that McGregor gets a broken leg from that if the attacker goes flying in. And well, obviously there's a chance the attacker gets hurt, but I just can't see it as being a, a surefire way to hurt the guy. So that, for that reason, I just can't see why he would... I don't think he thinks about it. Yeah, I, I, don't, right. I don't think he's thinking, right, I'm going to go in. I think he just, it's sort of the inner... Yeah, I think, he, just wants I think he's, he's, he's just—he's just a bit daft. I mean, he's a good keeper, but he's—he's he's just he's maybe not the cleverest boy, um, both on and off the park. And I think that just reflected in that last night. It was a stupid thing to do. It's one of these. If the referee sees that from a different angle, he could well have been walking. Because again, you see it during a live play from the from the camera on the side of the pitch. It doesn't look too bad, but then they show you it from the angle behind the goals, and it's, it's clear he's had a kick at the guy. He's already in possession of the ball, and he's got the ball close to his body, so there is no reason to swing your leg and move your leg upwards. It's just it's a deliberate attempt to try and boot him. And I thought just, Naismith was lucky as well. I can't believe there's can't believe there's been no retrospective action. Neither do I. I yeah. was I, I was I was raging at the time because you know if you do that, you, to be fair, we didn't really we didn't get a great result anyway. But you know why do that? Why bother? You get yourself sent off and potentially throw away the game. It's Crazy. Just, yeah, I just had. Yeah, whatever's happened to, to niggle him or just rise above it. It's, he's a professional footballer. He's been playing for years. He should be able to rise above it. And the problem is, even if he... Uh, yeah, as Greg says, I'm surprised that nothing's been brought up retrospectively because, you know, these days everything's on TV and it's an international game, you know, FIFA tournament and stuff. I'm surprised that that hasn't been anything brought because he did lash out at him. And they seem to suggest that it, it wasn't dealt with simply because it wasn't in the report. So maybe it's different from the SPL, that it doesn't have to be in the match report, it can just be brought up if somebody makes a complaint. That doesn't make sense though. Surely it would be the other way around. It would not be dealt with retrospectively if it was in the report, because that means it's been acknowledged. But the whole point of the retrospective would be that something that was missed. Yeah, that's why we've, that's why we've got this guy... Vince Clooney or whatever his name is, the compliance officer, because he's the guy that now trolls the TV footage and pulls people up. But I think, is that not an SPL thing? Or is that an SFA thing? Maybe like Craig was saying, it might well be for FIFA, that might just not be the policy to, to use video to pick things up. For but but what about um, what about Wayne Rooney in the qualifiers? That Was re- was that not retrospective? His mm. big suspension? Um, or was that actually a red card? I'm trying to remember back. Or was that actually a red card on the ge- in the game? It was because he appealed it, didn't he? And it got brought down a match, I think. I can't remember. Ah, well, doesn't matter. Minor importance. But anyway, ultimately, though, with Levine, I think, I still don't understand. I think he seems to be getting a lot of leeway. And I actually, I said last night, I genuinely said last night, I I don't know if I, I think he might be doing a worse job than Bertie Votes did. When he's, you look at, got, he's got a worse win percentage. A worse, yeah, worse competitive record. And yeah. I think he has got much better players at his disposal. Votes was left with nothing. And fair enough, I'm in no way claiming that the Votes era was anything other than a disaster. But he had nothing. He had to cap teenagers. He had to bring in fresh players. He had nothing to deal with. It. And his win record was still better than, to be fair, he was the last. He was the closest we got to um, finals. So it was under party Votes. He actually got us to the playoffs. And uh, Levine's what won three games now in ten competitive, yep. yeah. and the games were narrow victories against Liechtenstein twice and Lithuania once. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I just, 
the depressing fact is it's not even it's not even as if we're not we're not progressing. We're actually we're actually going backwards. That's the worrying thing. It's not a case of saying well we're not really getting much better. I think we're actually getting worse. But do you and not if think that's the case? It needs to be nipped in the bud now. Do you not think our actually our players are getting better though? And when you see them, oh, as, what I would doing, agree with that. Yeah. In I terms swear. of the squad available, there's no doubt there's a better quality of player available. But for whatever reason, that manager can't get those players to not just play better than their potential. He can't get them to play to the potential that they have already. You look at somebody like Naismith, who's going down to Everton and looks as though he's going to be a tidy signing down there. He looked like a rotten player on Saturday. Rotten. That's what I mean. That's what I think. Yeah. That's why I think. Although performances on the whole, in fret, you know, I think the problem with Bertie Votes when if you take friendlies into it, then it was really bad because we were appalling in friendlies under. But he just had, he had, you know, if you look at the players, he was get, he was capping. Fair enough, a lot of them were his problem, but he didn't have the anywhere near the amount of Premier League players that Levine has. And Levine said it himself, we've got the best quality players we've had for a long time. And I, I just don't, I just, there just doesn't seem any management. And Greg hit the nail on the head when I watch us playing. I don't understand what the approach is, you know, what Levine's, you know, idea and tactics are to break the team down to create chances. We just don't seem to be, it just seems to be rigid, knock it about with no real kind of idea, no direction as to where we're going with it. So I I think he's, I can't see him staying in the job much longer because I, I really can't see us turning this campaign around. You know, uh, McBookie, I've got a few odds on him uh, and here's one that surprised me. Mm-hmm. They've got... Levine to be gone by Saturday, this Saturday, the 15th, 4 to 5. Odds what? On. Yep. So they're sure that he's going to go. Uh, and also they've got to last the World Cup campaign, they've got uh, a yes, no, and the no is 1 to 9. <sighs> it won't last the campaign. That's pretty damning. Yep. I mean, I think the crowd as well, you know, 30,000, we're, we're, we're talking five days into a new campaign. Yep. And it's yeah, and thirty thousand. You know, that's twenty thousand empty seats. And I think I'll, I think the, the attendance would have been artificially high simply because the people, a lot of people, bought the season tickets and felt, well, I've already paid the money, I may as well go. But yeah, there's so many people I've heard that have said that that's it. They're not going to be back, not for this campaign. And that was after the first game. I think Levine's. Sometimes I think I would actually respect him more if he came out. He he can't genuinely think the things he says. I still think I've got the backing of most of the Scotland fans. Oh, we yeah, can win every... He just ridiculous. says... He just says... Abs- of course he doesn't. If he came out... I wish he'd sometimes come out and say, look, it's, things aren't going as a planned. I know, you know, there's pressure against me, but I, I really hope to turn it around and, you know, hope to win them over. Uh, you know, apologise for the... But he doesn't. He says, you know, comes out, we're doing well. You know, Yeah, he says we're Blah, going... blah, blah. Fair enough. He's not going to say, look, we're out. That's it, done. Of course he's not going to say that. But he says but, we're going reasonably well. Exactly, he's, he's got to show up. But it's like after the, I think the four six zero. I think that would have been forgotten a lot quicker if he just said, "Look, I'm yeah. sorry. I tried this. Yeah. I thought it was wrong. I thought it was right. Rather, it turns out I was wrong. I yeah. apologise. We'll make up for it." But he just kept on defending it, and it was. Yeah. It he says he would people, use it again if need be. I just think he's. I think he's. I honestly acts as a child in the job. Same with changing the team. He won't want to change a team because. The press and the fans said so, and it'll be like, you know, bowing down to them and admitting he was wrong. I, I, I just, I've lost a lot of respect for Levine since he's been in the Scotland job, and I've kind of liked him as a manager before that. <laughs> and obviously, he's a, a reasonable, um, he's got a reasonable history with Hearts, both playing and managing. So, 
It's a bit of a shame, really, but I, I, don't, I don't know what's happened to him since he's been in there. I, I, still, I still maintain he would, he would make a decent club manager. I said this when he was appointed. He didn't strike me as the type of guy that's cut out for international management. And there was a telling interview before the before the game on Saturday. He was on the radio and they were asking him about the build-up to the game. And he says, I've been sort of kicking my heels for the last few weeks since the Australia friendly. And I thought, I think that's maybe part of the problem with him. He strikes me as the type of guy that wants to be involved um, day in, day out with players on the training pitch. And if you're a club manager, you know, if, if you've got a bad game one Saturday, you only need to wait another week until you've got another game to make up for it. Yeah. The problem with Levine is he screws things up and then he's maybe got a couple of months until the next one comes around. And he's, in between that time, he doesn't appear to be doing anything. He's a bit of a wheeler dealer as well. Some of his kind of strengths are, you know, finding promising players, you know, creating, making them into better players. And, you know, I, I think... Sometimes tactically is well, maybe one thing I've never fully been convinced by him. And I think when you're an international manager, the thing is you're talking about generally ready-made players, and you've just got mm-hmm. to. It's it's almost it's generally all it's all about tactics and yeah. managing these quality players. And I'm, even at a Scotland level, you're talking about all fairly high-level players. So it's it's kind of all down to that. There's not really time to wheel and deal or get some loan signs in or find a youngster, and it's. International is all, it's very kind of short term. It's all what's in front of you and getting the best out of that. And I just, I think he's he's talked up all this, you know, playing like Barcelona stuff. And apart from the fact we don't look like we're even trying to do that, you use the players the best you can. You know, what the two best managers we've had in the last few years were Smith and McLeish. And he played to their strengths. You know, we were hard to break down. We were stuffy. We, and I just think, we kind of need to play the, the player strengths, even though we've got quality players. They're not going to play like Barcelona. We're not going to pass it around brilliantly and make openings that way. Although we should be able to pass it slightly better than we have been. Yeah. So do you do you think that we should get rid of Levine before the next double header against Wales and Belgium, or well, personally, I think we should keep them for those two and let those two games decide because that's only about a month away the 12th of October for the Wales games, the next one. I think I think it's it's too late now to be changing. Uh, exactly. The one after that is... I think it's is too late. It's not too March. early. It's too late. Yeah. <laughs> I think... Pff, I, the worst thing is I actually don't care. Whatever. Maybe next next campaign, maybe we'll get rid of him then, but I think we've... He's already started the mess. You know, be as well let him see it out. Well, it, <laughs> it depends. If we get to the stage where we can't qualify, I think it would be sensible to bring in a manager that can get get a wee head start for the next campaign. Yeah. But I think that well, following the games in October, the the next one is in Wales. Wales away, isn't it? Wales well, away is the next one. That's the one in October, yeah, and then in Belgium sorry. away, and then in March we've got Scotland, Wales. So if it doesn't work out in the double header, if we don't get well, I, I would hope that we're going to get four points. Well, uh, the issue three is three at the very least. The issue is as well, I suppose kind of maybe have to look long term a bit more because we don't end up in a situation like with Wales where they ended up dropping into the bottom the bottom pot because then you could you know even what we what we in just last one fourth we're fourth or third yeah, fourth. Fourth, fourth I mean that's hard enough because yeah. you know you're going to have three teams three decent teams I mean you're unlikely to get a rubbish third one and the top two will always be reasonable so yeah. Wales ended up dropping I'm not I'm not for a moment saying that this campaign could throw us all the way down there but even dropping one more place you know suddenly you could be looking at even more even more of a challenge to try and get 
to the it's it's just it's unfortunate that during our best run, like under McLeish and Smith, it was sort of like we had a group France and Italy in it. And Ukraine who are obviously they were the, as well. The semi finals, weren't they? The the three of them were in the semi finals of the, the tournament, I can't remember if it's the World Cup or the Euros. But yeah, it couldn't have been more difficult. But um And even yes, this group now, we've got Wales, yeah, they're in the bottom pot, but you look at the other teams in the bottom pot, we were we were very oh, yeah, unlucky we, there. I thought we got a really difficult draw. Yeah. I would rather get like last last group where yeah, fair enough, you've got one powerhouse who will win the group in Spain. But I, I thought the last group was really kind to us. I thought the Czech Republic were no kind of no nowhere near as good as they used to be. Lithuania are not even as good as they used to be. Liechtenstein are Obviously, whipping boys unless we're playing them, where we make them look reasonable. <laughs> I think we make most teams look reasonable. I decided on uh, was it Tuesday night yesterday that it's it's official that Scotland are the Diddy team that others look upon and think, all right, this is an easy result. Well, Macedonia came after they were disappointed with a point, and I could kind of see their point because they looked far more dangerous than we did. Yeah, that was the worst thing, you know. I, I, We'd never really bombarded them at the end. It was never like no. they were holding out for a draw. We, fair enough, we started to take the kind of bull by the horns a wee bit in the second half, but I still thought they looked far more incisive in attack than we ever could. Yeah, yeah. I think I think with the whole Levine thing, the SFA have got a bit of a problem in their hands here because we're not going to qualify for Brazil, let's be honest. Even if we'd got those six points, it was still going to be a big ask. Without those points, we're not going to be there. They've got two choices here. They either stick with them for the next game in Wales and then subsequent until we can't qualify or we take the bull by the horns and say, do you know what? He's got to look at his whole record since he took the job over and it's not good enough. Now, bringing somebody else in isn't going to mean we qualify for Brazil. I'm not saying for a second it does, but what it does do is it provides us with a fresh face and a fresh approach going forward. This campaign's more or less over, but the SFA have to be really careful that they don't keep Levine by keeping Levine in this job and not changing anything for the duration of this campaign, I think they're going to see attendances drop and drop and drop. And the SFA have done really well over the last five to ten years in building the Scotland crowd back up. Because I remember years ago where yeah, they were, they were pulling in 20,000, people for qualifiers. And that all yeah. changed around yeah. under Smith and McLeish. And the SFA don't want to get to the stage where they've alienated another 15,000, 20,000 people from going back to watch the Scottish international games. And my worry is that's what they're going to do if they continue um, back in Levine. Because Levine has lost, he's definitely lost the supporters. Yep. I've got yep. a feeling, despite what Kenny Miller and all these other guys say, I think he's lost the players. You can tell by the demeanour of a lot of those players coming off the park at the end of the game last night. I mean, they couldn't even look the guy in the eye. I, I think he's lost the players as well. He's, he's, he's certainly lost the media. He seems to have this sort of... Um, sort of mentality now where he will, you know, if the media say black, he says white. And I mean, there's just no way going forward that's ever going to work. The only way he can save his skin now is for us to win every single game left in that group, which is not going to happen. So it's over for him. It's over for him. So why I don't see any advantage in prolonging this for another month, two months, three months, however longer. The guy's not done the job. He should be out and somebody else should be in. Yeah. yeah I, think, I think we should move on to... From the Scotland game, no problem with me. It's, aye, it's just it's a bit depressing. Well, it's, it's a good point because I was watching the game. I watched Saturday's game, sort of flicking in between, but I watched most of last night's game. And see, when we equalised last night, I, I, I've never felt a bigger feeling of apathy in my entire life. I couldn't have given a monkey's 
either way, whether we equalised or gone on and scored a winner or anything else. And I think that's a lot of people I speak to are in the same boat when it comes to the national team just now, and that's that's just not good news. I thought I wasn't, you know, I was yes, we've equalised, but then I realised I had a had a thirteen team uh, coupon on. <laughs> then when England, I didn't realise that that was my main motivation because uh, when England screwed it up, I stopped caring as much that we weren't beating Macedonia. <laughs> so I think that's, that was uh, that's the gambling in you, Laurie. <laughs> so, I, so I thought I'd move on to the charity bet <clears throat> last week. Hey. Aye, talking about gambling. Last week, the charity bet was chosen by Footy Gaffer because he donated his winnings from the SFF predictor. So we had £30 on it. We had Belgium, France and Italy, all three away wins on the Friday evening. And it was looking good. At, I think I checked at half time. And even late on in the game, it was looking good. But Bulgaria let everyone down by drawing with Italy. Belgium everyone beat down. Wales 2-0. France beat Finland. But aye, Bulgaria ended up scoring that extra goal to come back and draw with Italy. So they ruined it. I, I had seven teams that night and they all came in at a tenner. Sorry, just to, just to rub uh, in. Just so I, I didn't pick Italy. I didn't oh, like you're, the... you're setting yourself up here if you've picked the bet this week. You've <laughs> high, so you better get it right, boy. To celebrate Laurie's return, I is he's picked the bet this week and he has went for four teams. He's went for Celtic to beat St. Johnson, Cowdenbeath to beat Morton, Dunfermline to beat Dumbarton and Arbroath to beat East Fife. And the odds for that is well ten pound returns seventy three pound fifty at McBookie, who obviously provide the ten pound charity bet for us. So I seventy three pound fifty, Laurie. I did give you an English option option because I've, the, the Scottish first division always seems to prove problematic. But I, I find Cowden Beef pushed the odds up; they were only evens and they've been on a good run. So see, I'm I'm happy with seventy three fifty. It's better than nothing. Yeah, we, if it wins, we need to get wins. some money. We need to get some money in this pot because we've not been doing so well recently. Ever since this free bet appeared from McBicky, <laughs> I, I think they've obviously went a good thing with with us. Maybe yeah. we're we're creating a false sense of security. Maybe they'll up it to twenty. It's <laughs> <Right, laughs> yeah. so bad. Anymore. I think that's what it is. I oh, then we'll start not... betting properly. <laughs> but every week I email off the predictions, and I the guys just every week it's it's wrong. Right, so I thought we'd do the predictions for the upcoming SPL games because football is back. And we'll start with Friday night football. Mm, a wee bit different this one. Got Dundee United against Ross County. And I'm going to go for a home victory despite Ross County starting the season fairly well. I'm going to go for 2-1 Dundee United. Greg, what are you thinking? Uh, I, um, I quite like Ross County. Dundee United are good, but they have been a wee bit up and down. I'll take a I take a one each score draw. Laurie, just realised that I've not actually put any predictions in for like three weeks. Ah, uh, you're not signed up for the reminder email. That's very convenient. I think I've only put predictions in for one week of the season, so I'm sitting on oh, four God. points. Oh. You're probably still above me. I've been, <laughs> I've been playing it relentlessly. <laughs> I totally forgot about it. Uh, Dundee United. Uh, it's, t- it's tough because Ross County are still unbeaten in like 50 years or something. Uh, <laughs> but I fancy United to, to bounce back. and They've not won the last two, have they? So, oh, whatever. 2-0 Dundee United. Right, then... I'm like Scotland. The campaign's over already. I'm miles behind. I forgot. <laughs> Beats are just throwing the towel now. 
I get yourself signed up for the email reminder. I need oh, to wake yeah, up I'm... early every morning to send out these emails to everybody. <laughs> yeah. Maybe I am, and I just, I don't know if... Just ignore to... it. You're just ignoring it, just like you've ignored the podcast. You've <laughs> not even listened, Laurie, since you've been away. Look, emails, today, I've, because I've not looked at my emails since this morning, I've got 75 on red. It's just it's too much nonsense comes in there. It probably gets lost in the deleting sessions I have every night. We, we talked about you every week in the podcast, eh, Greg? Oh, oh the banter. The, missed the banter. The Gamblers Anonymous meetings that you go to, the, <laughs> the, the special films that you make, but you didn't hear uh, any of it. Just, uh, oh, I'll maybe listen back. <laughs> right. And the, on Saturday, the lunchtime kickoff, 12.30 on ESPN is St. Johnson Celtic. Sticking with the charity bet, I'm going to go a 3-0 away victory because St. Johnson are rank. And what I was reading about uh, Lomas... There's a, a bit of a, a claim going on in, at St. Johnson. One of the workers is claiming, I'm not really sure how you put it, I will just say she, she, that Lomas harassed her, allegedly, and she's been asked to leave the, the club. And Well, I don't know the, the full details, but I read a wee bit about it, so he could be getting in trouble. Aye. I, I think he might be the first casualty of the season, Lomas. Can you see St. Johnson doing it on Saturday? Are these a... I might go, I might go four-one Celtic. Two-nil Celtic. Surprised that a looker like a looker like Lomas, he would need to, he would need to harass anyone, would he? Be falling at his feet, would you know? <laughs> I, I couldn't comment. Laurie. Especially in Perth. Anyway, here is Greg that's meant to be offending people. Now listen, <laughs> listen, see if you've got ten fingers in Perth, you're counted as a looker. <laughs> <laughs> uh, next, next game up is Dundee against Motherwell I'm going to go for an away victory 1-0 Aye, away win 2-zip Dundee are chronic yep 3-1 Motherwell Dundee are rubbish Hibs they against... are that rubbish they actually beat us but <laughs> thankfully I wasn't around to listen to your reaction to that <laughs> Hibs against Kelly I'm going to go for a home victory because Hibs are the, the big team in Edinburgh nowadays I'm going to go for 3-1 Ah, one nil Hibs, one nil. You mean the big team in Edinburgh, didn't you? Here, I was at the mighty, uh, the the top two teams in Edinburgh playing each other just uh, the other week. Who? An eight goal thriller. Hearts played Spartans on Friday. Oh, all right, right. Where was it? Four, Spartans. It was at Spartans, uh, Ainsley Park, as it was called. I went along. It was four all. Twelve hundred people went, and it went to penalties. And Hearts won eight seven on penalties. Aye, superb. How much was that to get in, Laurie? 12 for the stand, or 8 if you're yeah. just standing next to the pitch. 12? Oh, what? You know, what? It's not, <laughs> not bad, 8 quid for what? 8 goals and a whole oh, other yeah, pitch? I was, was cracking entertainment. It was, it was great watching our defence and Jamie McDonald getting ripped to shreds by... Oh, we were lucky. Spartans were far better than us. They were 2-0 up, they were 3-1 up, and they were 4-2 up with a few minutes to go, and somehow we scraped, a, scraped the draw and it went to penalties. We had, a, we had, like, Stevenson playing, Towel playing, Jamie McDonald playing, who else was playing? It was a few. It's All our top strikers playing, Barca. Still you struggled. Yep. Right, so what's your Hibs, Kelly? 2-0, Hibs. Inverness, Aberdeen, I'm going to... 0-0. <laughs> Sorry. Right, Larry's going 0-0. I was going to go 1-0, Aberdeen. <sighs> I don't know. 0-0 was actually not a bad shout. You going for a Paul Band? Mm. I go for it on each. Yep, you know mine. And no, then no. 
St. Mirren, Hearts. St. Mirren, Hearts, hmm. Hearts struggling to beat Spartans. No, we beat them. In penalties. I struggled <laughs> to lift struggle to lift the Ronnie Swan trophy. Oh, there's a trophy. <laughs> Our silverware of the season's in the back already. Did they say that there was silverware up for grabs? Oh, I well, you were watching the international results come in, losing the pot of the charity bit. I was watching the first silverware of the season. Okay, I'd left before they lifted the trophy, but that's not the point. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe you'll stop hawking that Scottish Cup a bit so much then if you get another <laughs> trophy to show every, every Saturday. Oh, aye, signing sessions for this as well now. <laughs> You're going to get your photo taken with it. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> right, next game, St Mirren Hearts. I'm going to go for a 1-1. Ditto. Uh, I like St Mirren. Again, I think, they're, I think they're looking good I... this season. I might edge it 2-1. What do you like about St Lydown? I mean... St Mirren St Mirren they, they look good up at Fir Park playing a lot of passing football getting the ball on the ground moving it about I like that Scotland would look good at Fir Park oh, oh, oh you're making <laughs> a rod for your back here son yeah. so this has got to the end but before I go I wanted to give Stakehead on Twitter a mention because we were all set to record on Monday evening and then he suggested that maybe it would be a better idea to wait until after the Scotland game on Tuesday so we'd all cheered up a bit, but no. So we did. So it's a bit weird doing it on a Wednesday evening. But aye, it was State Kid's idea. And also, I wanted to mention, I've been reading the, the rule book, the FIFA rule book again, and I was, I was having a, a laugh at some of the, the things in there. Like, uh, when the referee plays advantage, he needs to... Well, we all know how advantage works, but one of the things he needs to weigh up is the atmosphere of the match. I thought it sounded a bit bizarre. Atmosphere. The atmosphere in the match, aye. What? Aye, that's something he needs to weigh up. And also, uh, I was reading about, uh, we all know about a dropped ball. So the referee... The ref- <laughs> Do we? Well, I know about a dropped ball, aye. The referee drops the ball as soon as... What book were you reading? The FIFA. <laughs> You're stuck after watching that film, Laurie. Your mind's in shutter. <laughs> Right, so when the referee... That's another sort of drop balls you're thinking of. <laughs> so when the referee drops the ball, when it hits the ground, it's in play and the, the players can, really can go for it, right? Well, if the ball is dropped, makes contact with the ground and then leaves the field of play before anyone touches it, he needs to drop it again. I don't know how that could happen. Do you not get a second ball? Just drop that one. <laughs> Laura, you've ruined my, my rule. I'll just say this next week again. <laughs> right. They can't find any balls. <laughs> Sorry. Laura, you've changed. <laughs> You're serious. That's what happens when you watch Scotland. You have to just uh, try and look at the funny side of things. Oh, and you, you can't score from a dropped ball. That's another thing. You're definitely not going to score if you've not got any balls. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think that that'll that'll be a good sign to the end of the show. Maybe that's it. Oh, that's nice. <laughs> I'm gonna stop now. Aye, Laurie, you coming back next week? Uh, aye, if you'll have me. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm, we'll need to have words after the end. Maybe you mention. <laughs> Greg, will you come back? Only if Laurie's here. <laughs> a wee bit of a bromance going on there. I tell you, what, it's good to have him back. It's good, good to have a conversation back. about balls. Right, and we'll need to decide who does the SPL review next week. My vote. Bags, I know me. Like Laurie's doing it then. Right. <laughs> Two oh. hours special. 
Two hours special. Unless hearts lose. <laughs> right, but thanks for coming on, guys. Good to have you back, Laurie. No problem. Right, cheers, then. Cheers. Bye. Bye. Bye.